Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, the governor of Maine becomes the first in the country to veto a conversion therapy ban bill. An Ohio congressman is accused of turning a blind eye to sex abuse. Starbucks expands health care for transgender employees. New Jersey adopts new transgender rights. Ohio lawmakers want teachers to snitch on transgender students. Plus, how Donald Trump's new Supreme Court nominee could affect marriage equality. All that and more on this episode of The Randy Report. Governor Paul Lepage of Maine has vetoed legislation that would have protected LGBTQ youth from the harmful practice of so-called conversion therapy. And in doing so, Lepage becomes the first governor in the United States to veto such legislation. Boo for being number one. The vetoed bill, LD-912, would have prohibited the advertising, offering, or administering conversion therapy to individuals under 18 years of age in Maine as an unfair trade practice, penalizing mental health workers who engage in the practice with loss of their license. Included in the bill was a carve-out from members of the clergy as long as they didn't receive any monetary compensation. Lepage told state lawmakers in a statement he was concerned about the religious liberty of parents to decide how and if their children are exposed to the dangerous practice. To date, 14 states, I'll list them, Connecticut, California, Nevada, New Jersey, Oregon, Illinois, Vermont, New York, New Mexico, Rhode Island, Washington, Maryland, Hawaii, New Hampshire, plus Washington, D.C., have all enacted legislation to ban the widely discredited practice of so-called ex-gay therapy. Even in his own party, the Republican governor is woefully out of step. GOP governors in New Jersey, Illinois, New Mexico, Nevada, Maryland, and New Hampshire have all understood the dangers conversion therapy can have on young people. Mainstream medical organizations, including the American Psychological Association, the World Health Organization, the American Medical Association, and the American Academy of Pediatrics, have all denounced the practice. Although the main bill passed in the state legislature by healthy margins, 80 to 55 in the House and 19 to 12 in the Senate, LGBTQ advocacy organizations are calling for state lawmakers to override the governor's veto. Representative Jim Jordan, a powerful Republican congressman from Ohio, has been accused of turning a blind eye to sex abuse during his tenure as an assistant wrestling coach at Ohio State University. In April, the university began an investigation into allegations that Dr. Richard Strauss, who served as the team doctor, sexually abused team members from the mid-1970s all the way to the late 1990s. Strauss died in 2005. Jordan, 
who served as an assistant wrestling coach at Ohio State from 86 to 94, has publicly denied any knowledge of the abuse. But former members of the wrestling team say Jordan is lying, that it is impossible he wouldn't have known about the allegations. To date, seven former Ohio State wrestlers have come forward saying it was, quote, common knowledge that the doctor regularly showered with the athletes and touched them inappropriately during appointments. One player says he told Jordan about the abuse himself. NBC News reports former head coach Russ Hellickson, Jordan's mentor, said in a recent interview that Hellickson himself had told Strauss he was being too hands-on with students. Former wrestler Mike DiSabato, whose allegations against Strauss prompted the investigation, called Jordan a liar, saying, I consider Jim Jordan a friend. But at the end of the day, he is absolutely lying if he says he doesn't know what was going on. DiSabato said he reached out to Jordan this year before going to the university to tell Jordan that he planned to go public with his allegations. According to DiSabato, Jordan told him to, quote, please leave me out of it and to not involve him. Another former wrestler, Danyashi Yetz, told NBC News he informed Jordan himself about an awkward incident with the doctor in the mid-1990s. He said, quote, I remember I had a thumb injury and went into Strauss's office and he started to pull down my wrestling shorts. I'm like, what the F are you doing? And I went out and I told Russ and Jim what happened. I was not having it. They went in and talked to Strauss. Today, Yet says he and his teammates went to Jordan several times about Strauss. Quote, So it's sad for me to hear that he's denying about knowing about Strauss. I don't know why he would, unless it's a cover-up. Either you're in on it, or you're a liar. A spokesman for Jordan said in an email to NBC News, Congressman Jordan never saw any abuse, never heard about any abuse, and never had any abuse reported to him during his time as a coach at Ohio State. After the NBC News story was published, Jordan's rep added, He has not been contacted by investigators about the matter, but will assist them in any way they ask, because if what's alleged is true, the victims deserve a full investigation and justice. Another Ohio State wrestler, former UFC world champion Mark Coleman, has come forward telling the Wall Street Journal Jordan was aware of the allegations of sexual misconduct, saying, quote, there's no way, unless he's got dementia or something, that he's got no recollection of what was going on at Ohio State. Based on testimony from athletes in 15 varsity sports over the years, DiSabato estimates Strauss possibly sexually assaulted around 1,500 to 2,000 athletes at Ohio State University from 1978 through 1998. Jim Jordan is a staunch ally of Donald Trump and is rumored to be a contender for Speaker of the House after Paul Ryan retires next year, should Republicans retain control of the House. Regarding the Ohio State scandal, Trump told reporters aboard Air Force One on Thursday, I believe him 100%. House Speaker Paul Ryan issued a statement through a spokesman saying, These are serious allegations and issues. The university has rightfully initiated a full investigation into the matter. The speaker will await the findings of that inquiry. Since 2012, coffee giant Starbucks 
has offered employee health care plans that have covered gender confirmation surgery for its transgender employees. Now the coffee giant has announced expanded coverage for trans employees, including breast augmentation, breast reduction, facial feminization, and hair transplants. Many of these procedures now available to Starbucks trans employees were considered cosmetic by most insurance companies and therefore not covered. But for trans people, these are essential in their journey to be who they are. A 2014 report from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and the Williams Institute found that 41% of the 6,500 transgender adults who responded to the National Transgender Discrimination Survey had attempted suicide at some point, compared to the 4.6 of the overall population. One reason for the high percentage of suicide attempts is attributed to stress-related to barriers to obtaining transition-related health care, such as a lack of insurance coverage, inability to afford those procedures, or lack of access to providers. With suicide rates much higher for transgender people, having access to these procedures can literally be life-saving. Thank you, Starbucks. New Jersey took positive steps forward this week when Governor Phil Murphy signed new legislation into law providing important rights and protections for members of the LGBTQ community. The first bill allows transgender residents the ability to change birth certificates to reflect their gender identity. According to the new laws, people may choose to identify as male, female, or undesignated. Until now, transgender people had to undergo gender confirmation surgery and provide proof from their physician to amend their birth certificate. New Jersey is the 17th state to enact a law dropping the surgery requirement for amending a birth certificate, and only the fourth in the country after California, Oregon, and Washington to allow a third gender option on the document. Former Governor Chris Christie had vetoed the bill twice while in office. The second bill allows a death certificate to reflect a person's changed gender identity. And the third bill provides for the creation of a transgender equality task force meant to identify barriers for transgender people in areas of housing, health care, and criminal justice. According to a report by the Williams Institute at the University of California, there are approximately 30,100 transgender people living in New Jersey, and 1.4 million trans people in the United States. Two Ohio Republican lawmakers have introduced legislation that would require teachers to out transgender students to their parents if they were to observe behavior that didn't seem to match their biological gender. The bill would require school administrators, teachers, and counselors to determine what they believe are signs of gender dysphoria in students and, by law, report back to their parents. Any child whose expressed gender identity doesn't match their biological gender would be reported to their parents in writing. Additionally, the bill would make it a felony for any government entity to provide dysphoria treatment to students. In other words, any educational materials, classes, or programs, and medical, psychological, social, or other professional treatment, therapy, counseling, or other services 
would all be considered treatment under the bill and would be criminalized. The 124,000-person-strong teachers union in the state, the Ohio Education Association, opposes the bill. Becky Higgins, head of the OEA, issued a statement which read in part, HB 658 is contrary to OEA's belief that all persons, regardless of gender orientation, should be afforded equal opportunity and guaranteed a safe and inclusive environment within the public education system. A spokesman for Equality Ohio, Grant Stancliffe, spoke out about the implications the bill could have around traditional gender roles, saying, if a girl wants to enroll in shop class, is that something where she's going to get a letter sent home? If Billy doesn't want to play football, does he get a letter sent home? Not only does this mess with this kind of access to health care, but it creates these weird kind of policing of behaviors. This is a bad idea, folks. Hopefully, the Ohio legislature will know what to do with this and get rid of it. Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy recently announced his retirement from the high court, and LGBTQ advocates are concerned about the survival of marriage equality. Kennedy was the key vote and author of the 5-4 Obergefell decision, paving the way for same-sex couples to marry nationally. With conservatives looking for a far-right nominee to replace Kennedy, his replacement is all but certain to disagree with the ruling. I'm not a lawyer, but I am of a mind that marriage equality itself won't be revisited by the Supreme Court too soon. My guess is conservatives will try and take the route of eroding the law through lawsuits regarding religious freedoms, like we've seen with a cake baker in Colorado and a florist in Washington state. There are currently 30 states that have amended their constitutions to ban same-sex marriage. Of those, 16 also ban civil unions. Four states go so far as to ban any legal contract resembling marriage. Now, when the Obergefell decision was handed down, those states didn't go back and remove the statutes from their constitutions because Obergefell became the law of the land. But if marriage equality is struck down on the federal level, those laws kick back into gear. Most of those states are in the South, but the nation's largest state, California, still has its amendment on the books, as does Michigan, Texas, and Florida, huge population centers. The good news is states can repeal constitutional amendments. Now, Alabama is never going to repeal its amendment. But there is enough public support for marriage equality in many states that such a move wouldn't be controversial. Here's a list of the states where marriage equality would end if Obergefell is overturned unless they repeal their state marriage bans. Here we go. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Missouri, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Virginia, and Wisconsin.
Get busy, folks. Contact your lawmakers if you live in one of these states and get them to start the process of removing these constitutional amendments. Minnesota United midfielder Colin Martin came out recently in a tweet on his personal Twitter account writing, Tonight, my team, Minnesota United, is having their pride night. It's an important night for me. I'll be announcing that I'm an openly gay player in Major League Soccer. Hashtag soccer for all, wrote the 23-year-old just hours before Minnesota United hosted their pride night playing FC Dallas. The 23-year-old attached a more detailed message to his tweet, which read, quote, I have been out as a gay man for many years to my family and friends, and this includes my teammates. I played Major League Soccer for six seasons, four seasons with D.C. United, and two seasons with Minnesota United. Today I'm proud that my entire team and the management of Minnesota United know that I am gay. I've received only kindness and acceptance from everyone in Major League Soccer, and that has made the decision to come out publicly that much easier. As we celebrate Pride Night, I want to thank my teammates for their unconditional support for who I am. In light of my experience as a professional athlete, I want to take this moment to encourage others who play sports professionally or otherwise to have confidence that sport will welcome them wholeheartedly. June is Pride Month, and I am proud to be playing for Pride and to be playing as an out gay man." End quote. Martin is now the second openly gay professional soccer player in MLS history, following Robbie Rogers, who came out in 2013. That same year, Jason Collins came out as the first openly gay professional basketball player, and in 2014, Michael Sam was drafted by the St. Louis Rams, becoming the first openly gay football player to be drafted by an NFL team. Rogers, Collins, and Sam have retired from their sports, which means Martin is currently the only openly gay active player in any major pro sports league in the United States. Don Garber, MLS commissioner, said in a statement, We admire Collins' courage and are proud of him and of the support from the soccer community. His team followed up Collins' announcement with a tweet of support with the hashtag SoccerForAll, and his old team tweeted their support as well, sending a message, sending you love and support from DC Collin. Have fun tonight. And Robbie Rogers sent his support as well, tweeting, love this. So, so inspiring. Thank you, Colin. Good luck this season. Except against the LA Galaxy, Rogers' old team. Unfortunately, Martin didn't get to play that night, even though he had been on the field regularly for months. Martin speculated that his manager, Adrian Heath, might have been concerned Martin's coming out could have been a distraction for the 23-year-old. He said... Maybe he thought I had a lot going on today. Obviously, I want to play, but most importantly, I just wanted us to win. But this past Wednesday, July 4th, Martin took to the field as an openly gay man for the very first time and was greeted with a standing ovation as his name was announced. Fans in the stands were seen waving rainbow-colored Minnesota United scarves, and it was a good night for Minnesota, as Martin's team triumphed over Toronto with a score of 4-3. to three. According to reports, after the game, the entire Minnesota United crew of players and coaches congratulated Martin with high fives and hugs.
Folks, visibility is the key to acceptance. So here's to more pro athletes stepping up and coming out. Congratulations, Colin, on living your authentic life. Be true. Also in coming out news, in a new interview, Panic at the Disco's Brendan Urie casually came out as pansexual. At the same time, he announced his newly launched Highest Hopes Foundation, which aids nonprofit organizations that advocate support for human rights. GLSEN, the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network, is the first recipient of the foundation, receiving a generous $1 million donation to aid in the formation of gay-straight alliance clubs in high schools. A longtime LGBTQ ally, back in 2012, Yuri got attention for tweeting, Everyone's a bit gay. Then in 2013, Pride Source magazine asked if he still believed that everyone has some gay in them, and he was clear, saying, quote, I find myself attracted to dudes all the time. I'm like, wow, that's a beautiful man. There's no shame in it. That's how I feel. To stifle that would probably bring on stress and probably make somebody homophobic, end quote. He went on to say in the same interview that he would classify himself as straight, but admitted to experimenting with homosexuality and bisexuality. Speaking to Paper Magazine today, though, Yuri seems a bit more forthright about his view of sexuality. He says, quote, I'm married to a woman and I'm very much in love with her, but I'm not opposed to a man because, to me, I like a person. Yeah, I guess you could qualify me as pansexual because I really don't care. If a person is great, then a person is great. I just like good people, if your heart's in the right place. I'm definitely attracted to men. It's just people that I'm attracted to. I guess this is me coming out as pansexual. Yuri also laughs that what he calls his stage gay behavior has made some folks uncomfortable in the past. It seems in early concert tours, he would sidle up beside his band's guitar player and kiss him on the neck or on the mouth. Today, Yuri says... I was like, I just want to kiss you, bro. I would hang out with friends, and after five or six beers, we're kind of just smooching on each other. People get hammered and fooling around. Sounds like fun to me. Following a recent 10-week stint on Broadway in the hit musical Kinky Boots, Brendan rejoined his Panic at the Disco bandmates for their latest release, Pray for the Wicked, which dropped June 22nd. The album debuted, Congratulations, Guys!, at number one on the Billboard 200. Panic at the Disco will also donate $1 to the Highest Hopes Foundation for every ticket purchased to the North American leg of their Pray for the Wicked tour. The band heads out on the road this month with lesbian pop singer Haley Kiyoko as the opening act. That brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share The Randy Report with your friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, also at instinctmagazine.com and gaypopbuzz.com, where I'm now a contributor, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.